And welcome to another edition of Cue It Up. It is January 13th on a Friday, the day before Wild Card Weekend. I would say, pound for pound, the best weekend in all of sports. I know you have Super Bowl weekend, and then I know you have the NCAA tournament the weekend after the round of 64. So it goes Thursday, Friday, and then that Saturday, Sunday is a really great weekend because you have the round of 32 and they're all really good games. But I would say, at least in my opinion, Wild Card Weekend is the best. And it's a lot different this year. We have a game on Monday now. I know normally the NFL does have games on Saturday and Sunday, and there's two games Saturday, three games Sunday, and then one game on Monday. And I believe that is the first time that the NFL has ever put a Wild Card Weekend game on a Monday. I think it's the first time ever that a playoff game has been played on a Monday. Normally, the last week of the regular season is the last Monday night football game, but not this year. Cowboys and the Buccaneers will be playing on that Monday night football game. But there's a lot to talk about. I'm probably not going to be talking a lot about baseball. If you haven't heard already, Carlos Correa to the Twins. I know when I did my podcast last week, uh, I was saying that with every day that goes by, it just seems like it is more and more unlikely that Correa was going to go to the Mets, and I ended up being right. And I think in the end, it is the right decision for the Mets because there was obviously something there that not only the Mets saw, but also the Giants. So the Mets aren't the only team that paused or balked at giving Carlos Correa this amount of money. And going to the Twins... It kind of makes sense because they've already seen his physical. They know what they're getting themselves into. So Correa ended up getting a lot of money. It was a lot less years than when he initially started with the Giants. I mean, it was about half of the contract that he got um, initially with the Giants. So still good for Correa. And, I mean, for the Mets, they're just going to go out and get the next big fish. So it doesn't really means too much to me that the Mets missed out on Correa. Yeah, they're probably going to have to end up with Brett Beatty at third, who was the number 10 overall prospect in all of baseball last year, or even stay with Eduardo Escobar at third for another year. That's fine. And if the Mets really do need a third baseman by the All-Star break, I have no doubts that this front office with Billy Epler and Steve Cohen, they're going to go out and they're going to get the guy that they want. They're going to stop at no cost, and it's they're going to do whatever it takes to make this team better right now and in the future. And if they don't end up getting somebody at the All-Star break, they're going to go after Manny Machado if he becomes a free agent, get Shohei Otani. So the Mets have shown that they are going to spend an ungodly amount of money. And I think missing out on a guy like Carlos Correa only reinforces this because it's going to make them spend even more money because that is now money that they originally had in Korea, but now they're going to use that for somebody else, like a guy like Manny Machado maybe. But we'll see. That's for a different podcast. I'm not going to be talking too much about baseball. It is now going to be all football from here until the end of this podcast. So let's talk about the Giants. If you're a Giants fan, you have got to be so ecstatic about this playoff game coming up on Sunday. And all things considered, the Giants got a really good pull for this game. I mean, they could have been on the road in San Francisco playing the 49ers. Who would you rather play, the Niners or the Vikings? And I know the Vikings are really good at home, but 
the Niners are probably the Super Bowl favorite coming out of the NFC. That's at least in my opinion. I know a lot of people still like the Eagles, but the Niners, for my money, they are the best team overall, even with Brock Purdy, their third-string quarterback, as the quarterback. But the Giants playing the Vikings, I think there is a lot of optimism going into this game for Giants fans and everyone covering the NFL. I think that is a little worrisome for me. If you've listened to my podcast in the past, I don't like when there is an overwhelming majority picking one side. And I just think there is just way too much optimism right now from Giants fans and everyone all over picking the Giants over the Vikings just because they saw what the Vikings did last week and two weeks ago in Green Bay. But the Vikings are not a road team. They don't do well on the road in cold weather. They're a dome team. They played in a controlled environment. And as long as they are at home, I think the Vikings should be the favorite and more people should be picking the Vikings. Yes, I think the Giants definitely have a chance even playing the Vikings at home, but the Vikings are just a different team at home than on the road. So even though the Giants are playing good, really good football right now, they came up a little short against the Eagles with the Giants not playing Daniel Jones, not playing Saquon Barkley last weekend, still putting up a really good fight to the Eagles, who, by the way, they were playing their starters. Jalen Hurts was in there. A.J. Brown was in there. Miles Sanders was in there. Their entire defense was in there. And the Giants, they really took it to the Eagles, and they came back and almost won that game. They ended up losing by only one possession. But now it's time to really see what the Giants have in the playoffs they have played earlier this season, the Vikings and the Giants, and it took a 61-yard field goal for the Vikings to knock off the Giants. That was a few weeks ago even. So these two teams, considering that they only played three weeks ago, they're probably that not that much different. I know the Giants do have a better secondary now. It looks like Adoree Jackson will play, and the Giants did get Xavier McKinney back, which is just a huge deal for this Giants secondary. So the Giants, just on that alone, are a better team than when the Vikings played them a few weeks ago. So I can see why Giants fans are optimistic and are excited about going to this game because they really do feel like they can win the game. And it's definitely more likely that they'll win the game because they are playing the Vikings and not the 49ers. But I'll get into it in my picks. They're going to be one of the three games that um, I will pick at the end of my podcast during my pick segment. Um, I'm not going to give it away, but I just think it's going to be a tough game for the Giants to win. I really do. It's going to be a one-possession game, and the Giants play a lot of one-possession games. The Vikings, they play a lot of one-possession games. So it's going to be a low-scoring, great game. Probably, if I'm looking at the slate here, for the Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, it'll probably be the best game. I mean, there are a lot of blowouts on the schedule. I mean, the Niners and the Seahawks, the Niners are 10.5-point favorites. Dolphins and Bills, Dolphins without Tua, the Bills are a two-touchdown favorite. Ravens and Bengals, the Ravens are without Lamar Jackson, the Bengals are a huge favorite. So I think this Giants and Vikings game will be the best one, and it is on, it is on Sunday at 4 o'clock. I'm excited to watch it. And for the Giants to win, they're going to need their running game to show up just like it has this year. So Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, after getting a little bit of a bye week last week, there's going to be no excuses for them. They're not going to be tired. They're going to be having two weeks off now. They should be ready to go full tilt for Sunday. So I'm really jealous of Giants fans. Obviously, the Jets season started off very well, 
and it ended up really just going into the tank. The Jets losing seven games in a row to be eliminated from the playoffs. And even after losing five games in a row, they were still in it for the playoffs. And if they won the last two games, there was a really good chance that they would have been in the playoffs. But unfortunately, it was just a train wreck of an end of the season. And Matt LaFleur, the offensive coordinator for the New York Jets, is not coming back. Apparently, the Jets were receiving a lot of calls for LaFleur to go elsewhere. I do think that is just a total farce. If the Jets really wanted LaFleur back, they would not have released him for a parallel job. I mean, he's definitely not getting a head coaching job. I mean, this Jets offense, in the two years that Matt LaFleur has been here. They've been 32nd in points and 29th in points in all of football. So I don't know of any team that is knocking on the door for the Jets and asking for the services of Matt LaFleur. There is no team that is doing that to bring him in to be the offensive coordinator. Maybe to be the passing game coordinator or just a guy to get the water for the players on the sideline. But not an offensive coordinator. If the Jets really wanted him back like they said they did, they would not have let him go. So that is just a total joke of a story, and that did come out initially when Matt LaFleur, um, when it came out that LaFleur wasn't going to be coming back. But I think a lot of people have caught on, and they're like, yeah, I mean, if the Jets really wanted LaFleur back, they would have had him right now. But I think the reality of the situation is that Joe Douglas needed an upgrade, and he did not want LaFleur to come back. I know it was probably tough for Robert Sala to go into that office and tell Matt LaFleur that he wasn't coming back just because Sala and LaFleur came over from the Niners when they first came here two years ago. They're good buddies, and now the Jets will be going with a new offensive coordinator, and it's going to be interesting to see what route the Jets choose in terms of trying to decide who their next offensive coordinator is is going to be. Matt LaFleur was a young offensive coordinator. He was never an offensive coordinator before he got the position with the Jets. So will the Jets go with an experienced OC or will they go with a young offensive coordinator? And here's the reality for the Jets. This is a team that had pretty good expectations going into this year and they played really well to start. I think at one point they were either 7-3 and three or 7-4. and four, And um, it just obviously did not turn out the way that they expected it to. But now I think this coming year, next year, even without a quarterback for the Jets, there is a tremendous amount of pressure on Joe Douglas and on Robert Sala and on this team overall to do really well and to make the playoffs because they are that good of a team. You're talking about this defense. It was one of the best in all of football, and it is an extremely young defense. And you're just going to go off the fact that those players, those young players are going to make another step and be even better. That defense should be Super Bowl caliber. And if you bring in another quarterback, say Aaron Rodgers, say Derek Carr, say uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, an average quarterback, this Jets team should make the playoffs. So that alone is going to put Robert Sala in a really tough spot because if they don't make the playoffs, Sala's done. He'll be canned, and the Jets will be looking for another head coach just like it seems like they always are every other year. And is that going to be a situation where an offensive coordinator is going to want to go? I I don't know. I, I don't think so, especially an experienced offensive coordinator like a Cliff Kingsbury or Nathaniel Hackett. 
Um, I don't think the Jets are going to be getting an experienced offensive coordinator. I think they're going to be getting a guy that not a lot of teams are looking at and that maybe doesn't even have the Jets on their radar right now. It's just not a desirable situation. There are a few others around the league that are probably even more desirable, like the Texans. I mean, the Texans, think about they're picking number two overall, and they have a better situation. They're probably going to be getting a quarterback. They're going to bring in a new head coach. The head coach is probably going to pick their offensive coordinator, and they're going to be there for a couple years at least. They're going to have two years to try to make it right, maybe even three. Seems like the Texans are always uh, making head coaching changes too, but you got to think they're going to be getting two years, but there's a really good chance that if a guy like Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury comes in here and say, you know, by the grace of God, he does. I mean, I would love to have a guy like Cliff Kingsbury in here, but say he comes in here and the Jets end up underperforming expectations and then Robert Sala is gone. They bring in a new head coach. There's no way Kingsbury is going to be staying here. So I think the only reasonable outcome for the Jets is to go out and get a young offensive coordinator that we don't really know of. So you take Robert Sala possibly going into his last year as a head coach if the Jets do badly, and then you add on top that the Jets don't even have a competent quarterback on their team. Mike White's going to be a free agent. Joe Flacco's probably going to retire. Zach Wilson isn't even a high school quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough situation. The quarterback's not even on the team yet. So we'll get into that as the offseason goes on, but the Saturday slate Wildcard weekend will start with the Niners and the Seahawks. That game, obviously, in San Francisco. And you've been keeping up with the news over the past week or so. They are getting absolutely slammed with rain. And it looks like the Niners and the Seahawks will be playing in a driving rain, monsoon-like environment. And the Niners right now are 10.5-point favorites. I do think that line will come down, especially after everyone becomes aware of the weather situation in California. So I do think that that 10.5 is very appealing, um, and I think the Seahawks could definitely make this a close game. Is this going to be the week also where Brock Purdy comes back down to earth? I'll get into that in my pick segment because that is going to be one of those games that I will pick. Chargers-Jags, it just came out that Mike Williams, the Chargers' terrific wide receiver, he got diagnosed with a back fracture, so he is not going to be playing in this game, and this is a game that the Chargers are favored in. I think this is going to be another really good game. I talked about how the Giants and the Vikings, that's probably going to be the best game of wildcard weekend, but the Chargers, for me, there's just something not right about the Chargers. I think a lot of people think that Justin Herbert is better than he actually is, and for me, I like the way that Trevor Lawrence has been playing. I think he's had a really good year. I, ha I haven't really looked at the numbers, but I would probably go out on a limb and say that Trevor Lawrence has had a better year than Justin Herbert has. So I would love to take the Jags in this game over the Chargers. I just think that it's going to be one of those games that will come down to the wire again, and it will probably come down to a situation where Brandon Staley goes for it on fourth and three from his side of the field and doesn't get it or goes for it uh, with the Chargers down by one. Instead of kicking the extra point, he goes for two and the Chargers don't get it. I think it's going to come down to Brandon Staley making just a horrendous coaching um, blunder, um, just like it has, just like he's costed the Chargers in some of these games over the past couple years. Sunday, you have the Dolphins and the Bills. don't really want to get into that game just because the Dolphins are going to be with Teddy Bridgewater and the Bills are going to crush them. And then the Ravens and the Bengals. 
It was announced that Lamar Jackson will be out, so I would imagine Huntley will be the quarterback. The Bengals are just going to crush the Ravens. And then, for me, this is the most, in my opinion, um, it can go either way. This is the most coin flip 50-50 game of the weekend. It is the Cowboys and the Buccaneers on Monday. Which team are we going to get from both teams? For the Cowboys, they are they've been so roller coaster, so up and down. They've been playing really good football as of late, but they are extremely inconsistent. And for the Buccaneers, they're the definition of inconsistent. They're actually a bad team. They're under 500 and they're hosting a playoff game. They are hosting the Dallas Cowboys who were a game away from getting the number 1 seed in the NFC. I mean, I think the logical choice would be taking the Cowboys even though they are on the road in Tampa Bay but who knows it's Tom Brady in the playoffs and anything can happen it's time for the picks segment and it is a new start for me I will be keeping track of my picks throughout the playoffs and updating you on my record it is a clean slate right now though zero zero and zero so let's get it started right away we have a few more minutes left in queued up First game that I will pick, I talked about it earlier, the Seahawks and the Niners. Give me the Seahawks plus 10.5. I mentioned that it's supposed to be driving rain and a monsoon in San Francisco. I think it benefits the Seahawks. They've been doing a great job of running the football. I think Geno Smith has had a really good year as well. So if the defenses from both teams really key in on the run just because it's going to be raining, I think the better passer in this game is Geno Smith. And man, thinking five years ago saying that Geno Smith is a better passer than any quarterback um, you know I would have just not believed you at all but Geno Smith has made a lot of strides and I think he's impressed a lot of people this year and will this be the week where Brock Purdy comes back down to earth I think it really can be the conditions will influence it I think the Seahawks will be keying in on the run the 49ers really do play off of that play action and the really good running game with Christian McCaffrey I think they're going to force Brock Purdy to make some throws that he's not ready to make yet. Give me Geno Smith and the Seahawks. Maybe they won't win, but they're not going to lose by more than 10 points. So Seahawks plus 10.5. Next game, give me the Vikings minus 3 over the Giants. I was kind of hinting at taking the Vikings, and I kind of wish that this line was at minus 2.5, but... I think the worst that can happen is that the Vikings cover, and that's just a push. So um, if it was two and a half, I would have really loved it. Minus three, I like it. Uh, the Vikings 8-1 and one at home, 11-0 and oh in one-score games. The Giants are also a really good team in one-score games, but I just think this game is different with the Vikings at home. If they were on the road in MetLife Stadium, I would probably pick the Giants. Um but the Vikings at home in a controlled environment with Justin Jefferson, with Kirk Cousins, with Dalvin Cook, that high-powered offense, no other elements affecting this game. Give me the Vikings, minus three. Also, just another factoid, I think there are a lot of people on the Giants. I really do. I think there are a lot of fans and a lot of people around the NFL picking the Giants. That worries me. Give me the Vikings, minus three. Last game, I kind of talked about this one as well when recapping and previewing these games this weekend. Give me the Bengals, minus nine over the Ravens. It was announced Lamar Jackson is not playing. 
I just don't like laying. I really don't like laying big numbers in the postseason, but I think the Bengals are on a mission right now. They're going to beat the Bills next week as well. And I think we'll end up seeing them in the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. I think they're that good. It's going to be a rematch of last year. And uh, no Lamar means the Ravens will be struggling to score a lot of points. The Bengals, we all know, they have a high-powered offense and they score a lot of points. So give me the Bengals. Minus nine against the Ravens. And they're going to coast to an AFC Divisional round against the Bills. So recapping the picks. Seahawks plus ten and a half. The Vikings minus three and the Bengals minus nine. That'll do it for me. I went over just a little bit, but it's a football special. I'll cut myself some slack for that, but I hope you enjoyed it. Enjoy the NFL this weekend. We have six total games between Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Please enjoy them. Have fun, and I'll be back on Monday to recap everything that happened and also to preview this Buccaneers-Cowboys game that for me, is really up in the air right now. So enjoy the weekend, and I will be back on Monday.